from a trickle to an absolute flood. This is the way of the kingdom. From a manger, from a stable, from a small little village. If you've ever been to Jerusalem and seen where Bethlehem is, it's, it's out of the way. It's, it's nothing. It's a nowhere place. From a nation that was oppressed, Jesus came. From small to big, from unknown to known, from a trickle to a flood. This is the way of the kingdom. You know what it says to us? Do not despise the day of small beginnings. If you've just begun, if what you have is small, if what you're laboring in is small, do not despise it. But be faithful in it. Because as you persist, it will go from a trickle to a flood. This is the way of the kingdom. We're going to look at an incredible passage. Ezekiel 40 to 47. Actually, 48 is a complete revelation that, that God gives to Ezekiel. Ezekiel is, is in Babylon. You know, sometimes God wants to take us out of the Babylons of our lives. And he lifts Ezekiel out and he, and he takes him. You can read this in Ezekiel 40. And he takes him to a high and holy mountain. And he sees the temple of God. He sees the third temple. There's a first temple, a second temple. The third temple is Yunus. You're now the church. And he takes him and he, and he gives him, he lifts him out of his situation and he gives him a revelation of the temple. And he sees in the chapters what the temple is meant to be. And he sees the priesthood restored. And he sees the, the presence of God coming back. And then he sees the most miraculous thing. And that's what we're going to look at in Ezekiel 47. Something which is so counterintuitive so not what the Jewish mind expected. Let's go to the verse. It says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces towards the east. And behold, the water trickling on the south side. Going eastward with a measuring line, the man measured a thousand cubits. That's like 500 meters. And then he led me through the water and it was ankle deep, just a little stream. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and he led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through. For the water had risen, it was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees, on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, the water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the Arabah, enters the sea, and when the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be many fish. The temple is glorious. The temple is magnificent. You read about it. 
take time to read it, chapter 40 to 47. It's magnificent. But now it turns, and this is the culmination of Ezekiel's revelation. And it's not what is inside the temple that counts. It's now what is outside. It's not what is going towards the temple, but is what is coming out. Now, this is mind-blowing for the, for, the, for, the, for the Jewish mind. These psalms of ascent, which were about what you would sing when you were going up towards Jerusalem to the temple. The Jewish mindset was we go to the temple and we take things to the temple. And that's religion because it's all about us, religion. But here it's something completely different. It's not what is going to the temple. It's not what is in the temple, but that which is coming from the temple, which speaks of the heart of God. And what's so interesting is within two kilometers, 4,000 cubits, the river is deep and strong. And it speaks of the miracles of God. We can only do so much in our own. But as we look to God, as we play our little bit, we see the river of God. As our orientation is the way God wants it to be, we with the river, the anointing and the power of God does what we cannot do. So the question is asked, son of man, have you seen this? Dr. Miles Monroe said the following, one of the greatest enemies to vision is sight. Have you seen what the temple is meant to be? Have we seen what we are meant to be? As God's people here, every nation, Somerset West, have we seen it from God's perspective? And this is what the sermon series is about, is us having a revelation of the temple and seeing it from God's perspective. So often, the biggest hindrance is what we know already. Because we become inoculated. We say, I know what church is, you know. I grew up in church. I've been going to church for so long. And we shut ourselves out and we shut down from the, we shut out the new thing that God has for us. As every nation, our mission statement is we exist to honor God. John Piper talks about the Westminster Catechism that the chief end of man is to glorify God. And so often we think that is just about going to the temple. I love worship. I love being in God's presence. But this I know, worship is more than what we do in the shower or here on a Sunday morning. Worship is meant to be our entire lives. And worship must include not just going towards the temple, but it's going from the temple. And bringing God to the people out there. Have you seen this river? that flows not towards the temple, but away from the temple. Now all of this, all of this, this entire revelation and every aspect of our lives, it all starts with Jesus. And Ezekiel 40 is where the revelation is first brought. And this is how it starts. In the 25th year of our exile, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th month, in the 14th year, after the fall of the city, Jerusalem, on that very day, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he took me there. In visions of God, he took me to the land of Israel. Remember, he was in Babylon. And he set me on a very high mountain. 
on whose south side were some buildings that looked like a city. This is a temple. And he took me there. And I saw a man whose, whose appearance was like bronze. He was standing in the gateway with a linen cord and a measuring rod in his hand. Who is it that he sees? He sees Jesus. Whenever we, we see in Scripture this, this man of bronze that talks about Jesus, this man who is full of glory, who's not just man, who is God. We see in bronze, we see Jesus as perfection, and we see, we see him as glorious. With the linen cord, we, we see his holiness, and not just his holiness, but how he makes us holy, because the cord is something that we can take hold of as well. And with the rod, it speaks of him as, as Lord, and him as the one who defines what is right and wrong. That's important that we have a revelation of Jesus. The Bible says this, he who has been forgiven much, loves much. If you don't have a revelation of, of the goodness of Jesus in your life, if you don't have a, a revelation of his kindness and his glory and his wonder, then nothing really flows. And you're going to be, it's going to be hard for you to, to take hold of this revelation of, of the river flowing out that you're meant to be part of. You know, sometimes we, or rather me, I know none of you ever do this. Um, sometimes I, I have moments of struggling to forgive people. Does anybody ever have that problem? You know what I do when I'm experiencing that? I retrace my steps and I think of all the things that God has forgiven me of. <laughs> all the terrible things that I did. And then it's like, how can I not forgive? How can I not forgive people for such a small little thing? And when I think about what Jesus has done in terms of loving me, making a way, paying the price, dying the death, overcoming sin and death, my heart is changed. My heart is moved. I pray that you live with the revelation of Jesus, of this man who is glorious, this man who is holy, this man who puts out a cord for you to take hold of, and a man who defines right and wrong. Because this is where it starts. The revelation of this temple and this river starts with Jesus. In John 21, there's an incredible story about how Jesus restores Peter. I'm sure you're familiar with it. And Peter has betrayed the Lord and goes back fishing, and then finally Jesus calls him from the shore of Galilee, and he says, you know, throw your net out the other side. He throws the net out, a massive catch, and they realize it's Jesus, and Peter dives in the water, and he gets to the shore, and Jesus restores him. Remember, the, goes, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love me. You know I love you. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Lead my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, feed my sheep. Peter, who has betrayed Jesus three times, is restored three times. God takes me to this scripture a while ago because I was being distracted by other people. You know, other people who you think should be doing more for Jesus. Yeah? Maybe it's church leaders. Maybe it's those other people who are irritating you. 
It was me. So I was standing. I remember this so clearly. I'm standing in the licensing department, long queue. And I'm bugged about a particular person. And God takes me to the story. And remember the culmination of the story. Peter's walking along with Jesus and he's just restored him. And then Peter says, and Lord, what about him? Now, if Jesus had met with me and restored me, I mean, I'd start a blog site, I'd start a website, I'd, I'd write a book, you know. I'd be good for life. Maybe not. What does he do? After having been restored, he turns and he says, Lord, what about him? And remember what Jesus says. Don't you worry about him. You follow me. You follow me. Can we start with this in our lives, that we're not living life in reference to other people, but we're living our life in reference to Jesus? That he is Lord and Savior, and that what he says goes above all. Our international leader, Steve Mill, tells a story of finding one of his sons in the fridge, not in the fridge, but with, with, with his hand in the fridge one night. He's like, what are you doing? No, he wants to eat some dessert. That dessert isn't for now, I think the story goes. And he says to his son, who's in charge here? You or me? And he says, both of us, daddy. <laughs> and that so speaks to me and I think to all of us. Who's in charge? <laughs> uh, it's, it's you and me. Can we change that? Can we be all in? Can we give him first place in our lives? Can we make him in charge? Because as we do, we come into the temple and we enjoy his presence and we become set apart as priests unto him. And then we go on the ride of our lives as we part of the river that goes from the presence of God out into the world. The second point, three-point sermon, is that it is 180 degrees away from what the Jewish mind expected. And it's exponential. As I said to you, the Jewish mind was we take everything to the temple. The religious mind says it's all about me. We tend to think that there's more of God in the temple. But here we see that the river moves out, not towards the temple. It's 180 degrees to, to what the religious mindset says. And it speaks of God's heart and God's power and God's purpose. We prefer to be a church. We prefer to be with our people. We prefer to be in a connect group with our best friends. We prefer to not extend our circle and make it wider. We prefer to be consumers than to go out there. But what did Jesus say? He stripped himself of his power. He came down from heaven to earth and in the garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Acts 20 says this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So you want the blessings of God? Of course you do. You want more of God? Of course you do. 
How do you get it? It's counterintuitive. It's paradoxical. You get it as you give. You get it as you go. And the scripture in Mark 16 verse 20, right at the end of Mark, it's the last verse. It says, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. We want miracles and signs and wonders. I want Nicola to be healed. And, but you know what I find incredible? It's as I go out and as I move onto the streets and as I reach out to people, I see more and more of the signs and the wonders and the glory of God coming. It is more blessed to give than to receive. If you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you give your life away, you'll experience life and life abundantly. And we've got to see ourselves as, as part of that river that doesn't go towards the temple, but that it's going outward. And God sustains us. And God blesses us. Uh, one of the things that I feel we did right with our boys was, was send them on mission trips. And uh, so when they were about 16, they went on mission trips. And um, I remember James coming back and, and saying, he, he was chatting to a friend of his, and then he told us a story. And his friend said he'd been to Portugal, and he came back to South Africa, and he said, I didn't realize how poor South Africa was, you know, compared to Portugal. And James said, you know, going to Lesotho, I never realized how rich South Africa was. <laughs> but, but them going, both of them, it changed their perspective on their life and on their faith. And if for you, your Christian walk is, is primarily about, about sitting here on a Sunday, you are missing out on 99% of what God has for you. You are missing out. And you might say, you know, I try, I'm trying Christianity and it's not quite working for me. But actually you're not. You're not stepping out into the river and the flow that God has. And experiencing God's power and grace upon you. Not for yourself. Sure, a little bit stays in the pipe. But being poured out on other people. I got um, tired might be the right word. I got tired of, of witnessing and sharing my faith only with garage attendants and uh, waiters and waitresses. And because of my job, I mean, I, I'm traveling a lot. That was kind of my, my standard place that I'd, I'd share the gospel. And so I changed my running crew. I stopped running with the guys that run in the church, good friends of mine in Joburg, been good friends with them for years. And I put myself in this running crew and it's all like CEOs and it's a running group just near Westcliff, which is one of the expensive areas of Johannesburg. And uh, so I started to run with them. It's quite a big crew, 60 to 100 people. And um, as I started to run, and they said like, who are you, you know? What do you do, you know? Remember the first time they asked me what I'd do and I said I'm a pastor, it was like, like a grenade had been put in the middle of that group. <laughs> it was like, boom. <laughs> it's like, what did I say? <laughs> did I say something wrong? And, and so it just continued. And uh, persecution, subtle, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. 
But as the days went on of me trusting God to bring the river to them, it's been amazing the things that have happened. So I'll give you two, example, two examples. The one time I'm, we, we're sitting at the table afterwards having coffee. Everybody has coffee. And this um, lady, Brooke, she's like one of the princesses of the running crew. You know, super fast, super strong. You know? um, she says, what do you do? Now, by this time, I've developed like a three-phase answer, you know? <laughs> the one is I could be clever and I could say, I'm a cultural architect, you know? <laughs> oh, interesting, you know? <laughs> or I could tell the long story, which I sometimes do. And I say, you know, from an early age, I felt something in my heart, but I was raised in an atheist family and I studied accounting and started a business, and, but I always felt there was more and, when I was 40, I was asked by a church to come full-time. So then it's like a longer discussion. But this time I just said, I'm a pastor. And her response was, Jesus. And I said, yes, him. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started to tell her about the church and what we're doing and what's happening. And she goes, my God. And I go, yes. <laughs> He can be your God. <laughs> but it took me stopping pursuing God for me and starting to pursue what the Spirit of God is doing. She sent me a message later that day and she said, I've got a thousand questions. Can we meet for coffee? And so began a journey with my wife and I and her and her husband of us walking with them and sharing the gospel with them, and being family to them, because he's from Holland and she's from America. And uh, she hasn't yet come to the faith, but I know, I know she has heard the word and the impact has been made. Another, another scenario on the running crew, I meet these two guys, and they are like gangsters. You know, they sniff a lot, and I think, is that cocaine? You know? <laughs> and... Uh, what do you do? He tells me, no, he's, uh, he, he organizes um, gambling joints across Africa. You know? That's his business, you know? He's just sold out, and now he's doing some more gambling joints, you know? And um, I messed up my leg, and so my running's a mess, but a couple of times, I just felt like God said to me, go. Go and join them for running. So my, and uh, both times, he was there, and we ran together. I ran together about three Ks and I walked back and he finished and then we spoke and had coffee at the end and uh, after the second time this guy Greg says to me he says uh, do you do coaching so I said well not as a business you know I said but I coach people all the time you know he says will you coach me <laughs> I'm like sure I'll coach you <laughs> he doesn't know what he's asking <laughs> And so we've, we've met a number of times and, and just been speaking to him about his life and his marriage and his finances and about God. But you know what? If, if I had just orientated myself towards staying in my own little happy space instead, and I'm still limping and, and whatever, but if, but if we can align ourselves with what the Spirit of God wants to do, he takes us on the most magnificent, exciting adventure that we could ever imagine. Lastly, being people of vision. He says to him, son of man, have you seen this? 
I feel like it's, I mean, here he is. He's taken him in the river. He's ankle deep. He's knee deep. He's waist deep. And now there's this huge river. And then he says to him, have you seen it? It's like a mom or dad who says, are you listening to me? <laughs> he's asking the question because he's not convinced. Just as you said, kids, are you listening to me? You don't think they're listening. That's why you say it. And here the question is asked, do you see this? Do you really see what I want to do? Do you really see the heart of God? Do you see the purpose of God? Are the things that are important to God, do you get? Do you see this? It was Helen Keller, who was blind, who said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. And I don't know how good your eyesight is, but above all, we are called to be people of vision who are pursuing a life that is full of God and who are pursuing a life where God uses us. Now, your response to what God says, have you seen this? Could be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. I see it, but it doesn't touch me. I see it, but I'm really busy. I see it, but my heart is hard to the things that God wants to do. Or you could respond in a good South African fashion. Do you see it? And you go, sure. <laughs> and it's kind of Ripley's Believe It or Not. It's wow, interesting, impressive. But tomorrow, zero impact. Or your response to the revelation of this great river flowing from the presence of God could be, my world is turned upside down and I need to change the way I live, what I do with my time, how I use my finances, and that I step out and stand up for Jesus and become his vessel to bring the river of God. Let me tell you about an elephant. So a few months ago, about six weeks ago, we took Pastor Jim LeFou, I don't know if you know him, he's a leading prophetic voice in every nation. Um, and myself and Nicola and a couple of other pastors who shall remain nameless, I need to protect their identities as you hear the story. We went to this game farm just north of Pretoria, Dinner King, you might have heard of it. And we just went for a, a day and a night. And our game driver said to us, these elephants, and Jim really wanted to see elephants. But they're a little bit unsettled because they've just been moved to the reserve and um, they've got babies and they keep pushing against the northern fence because they want to get out. So we drove and drove and tracked and listened. You know, you track for elephants, you stop the jeep and you switch it off and you listen. Eventually, okay, the elephants are going that way. We drove around, stopped. And now the elephants start coming out. And it's baby elephant and mama elephant. And it's beautiful. And we're taking pictures and it's fantastic. And the last elephant that comes is this massive, massive mother elephant. And she sees us. And she doesn't shake her ears. She doesn't make a noise. She, she doesn't. 
she just sees us and she charges. <laughs> and she is full tilt and one of the biggest elephants I've ever seen. And our um, poor guy sitting at the front of the Jeep, that's, that's a picture of him. He starts, and they start shouting, and, and one of the, the people who shall remain nameless drops a gentle four-letter word, you know. <laughs> What's in the heart comes out the mouth. <laughs> And somebody else says, Skitom, Skitom, you know. I mean, it's, it's like holy chaos. Jim LaFoon starts going, Kurabara, Sarabara, Rashana. And I don't know what I did. I was that guy. I took a picture of it. <laughs> I should have prayed. Doesn't look big, but I promise you, she was massive, massive, massive. And, and, and our um, tour guide puts the, puts the Jeep in reverse, Land Rover rather, and we're going full tilt. And this elephant is on us. And there's this tree in the path, and we dodge the tree. And I grew up on the East Rand. I know a lot about cars. And, geez, we nearly topple over. And um, the elephant just runs straight through the bush, runs straight through the tree, and she's on us. I mean, she's right on us. And, I mean, it's women and children screaming. I mean, it's just, it's complete chaos. And after about 500 meters, she runs out of energy. And um, we just keep driving. They close the site down. Nobody must go. We, we go to a place. Now we're going to have a little victory weekend sozo moment, you know. <laughs> we, park, we, we park the Land Rover. And um, we get out. And as we get out, a rhinoceros walks into the clearing. So we quickly jump in our car <laughs> and drive somewhere else. And, uh, and it was quite serious in terms of, I mean, if she'd hit us. And I mean, there's, there's quite a lot of trauma. And so we prayed and we spoke and, you know, got some healing and all of that kind of thing. But this is the point of all that story. When she saw us. When crazy Sue, the elephant, when she saw us, she was moved to action. She was like, I'm going to protect my little ones. I'm not just going to see the problem. I'm not just going to see what is there, but I'm going to do something about it. Have you seen what God is doing? Are you going to be like one of those people who just watches? Whereas, are you going to be like the people that step up and do something and are used by God? One more story. I had the joy of um, meeting Pastor Jackie and Lisa. They head up Every Nation China. And um, they were telling us about how just recently... And if you're following politics, Xi, the, the premier of China, I mean, he's like Mao Zedong. There's never been a leader of China since Mao who has as much power. And the persecution on the Chinese church is unbelievable at the moment. So one of the churches, the church that he specifically attends, was raided. And every single pastor that was there, he wasn't there at the time, was arrested and put into jail. Um, so he got back from not being, being away that weekend. And uh, no, he does. He goes to the police station and he says, you've missed me. <laughs> it's like mind blowing. You've missed me. And the, 
Chief of Police says, look, we were just obeying orders. Um, I know all about you. And if, and if we need to do anything, we will. When Jackie tells us the story, I mean, we like moved with compassion, we concerned, you know? It's like, are we real Christians? You know, all these thoughts, <laughs> all these thoughts go through your head. And he says, don't sympathize me. He says, God is purifying the church and God is using us all the time. And even through these things, the river of God is flowing. Even through the persecution, even through the hardship. So he is seeing what God is doing. He is seeing the river of God moving across Shaman, the area that he is in. Can we be people who see the river of God? That we see the intent of God. That we see the purpose of God. That we see what can be in the midst of crisis, in the midst of difficulty. I conclude. All of it begins with Jesus. All of it begins with him being first. With you having a heart of deep gratitude. Secondly, it's your perspective. Is your Christianity just religion where it's all about what you get? Or do you recognize that you are plan A? You are plan A for this world to experience life and life abundantly. It's rare that he sends his angels. It's very rare. But he sends us. And the flow of the river is not from the temple, but away from the temple. Can we be people who see what God is doing? Can we be people of vision? Let's pray together. Lord, we don't do these things because we have to. We do them because we want to. We do them because you've touched our lives. We do them because this is where the Spirit is moving. We do these things out of deep gratitude. We do these things because we love people. So, Lord God, shake us up today. Shake us up, Lord God. Give us fresh perspective on the temple and which way the river is flowing. Lord, I pray for adventures. I pray for faith. I pray for willingness to, to endure persecution, be it, be it subtle or be it big. Lord, let us be people who are all out for you, who go on the adventure of a lifetime. Lord, where we've been compromising, Lord, where we've been sitting on our lights, Lord God, we repent. Lord, we say, Jesus, take first place. No longer will we be undercover Christians, but Lord, grace us to burn brightly for you.